Well, this morning I just want to share a message that I really felt that the Lord um, placed on my heart um, a, a little while back. And the, and the title for my message is, Do You Really See Me? Do you really see me? Have any of you ever tried to get somebody's attention? Yeah, I think we've all tried to get somebody's attention in the past. I can remember when I was a teenager and I was going to youth, there was a boy that I really liked and it wasn't Dave because Dave actually... <laughs> The reason it wasn't Dave is like Dave is nine years older than me. So he was in like older youth and I'm only about 13 or 14 at the time. So I hadn't met him yet. But there was this boy that I really liked. And I'm like, you know, I'm kind of a big personality. And in youth, I was kind of, a, you know, at the same. And I really annoyed people because I was quite bubbly and stuff like that. The boys I annoyed. There's a picture actually of Ditch and some others. And we're at the beach and I'm marking around with my friends. And they've got a baseball bat behind us as if they want to like clobber us because we were annoying them so much. But anyway, there was this boy that I kind of liked and he hadn't noticed me. And I was like, really, like he hasn't seen me. Like, yeah, he'd seen me as in like, hi, but like he, he didn't want to talk to me and have a longer conversation and I really liked him. So over a, co a course of a few weeks, I was just like monitoring the situation and I noticed that he always wore brilliant trainers. And I thought the way to his heart is through my footwear. So I decided to go to the shops. Now bearing in mind, like I'm like a young teenager, I don't have a lot of money, but I had some birthday money. So I thought I am gonna buy two new pairs of trainers. He'll notice me then. So I bought, a, I bought a pair of like sports running shoes, not that I was planning on running, but you know, I thought that would be one look. And then I bought another pair of like these lilac converse style shoes and that was my other look. So over the course of the next few weeks, I'd go into youth like this with my footwear and you know, talking with him, doing all of this. But do you know what? He still didn't notice me. It was like an epic experiment that failed. The only good thing was is that I did do have two nice pairs of trainers that I wore repeatedly, but I tried to get his attention and it just didn't work. But that worked out well because I'm now married to my lovely husband. Um, which is brilliant. And we have been married for 23 years, which is awesome. But yeah, he just didn't notice me despite all of my best efforts. Have any of you ever been to an art gallery before or like a museum? How many of you enjoy it? I've got to be honest, I don't get it. We're not that kind of family that go to these places. I'm quite shocked, like because you see in all these cities around the world or when you're visiting places, they've always got these big museums that feature on the top 10 list of things that you should do and these art galleries. And I'm like, I don't understand why they're there. I really don't, I don't get it. We went to the Natural History Museum in London. I think we were in and out within 10 minutes. It was like, you know, we were good. We were good, but I read something this week and it's kind of given me a bit of a revelation as to what the situation it was. And I read that they said this. It says that 
art is not meant to be just looked at. It's meant to be seen. It's meant to evoke emotion. It's meant to move people. And as I read it, I thought, oh, that must be the problem with me when I go to a gallery or when I go to a museum. Because if I'm honest, I just wander in, have a little look and wander out. And like, nothing stirs me. It doesn't make me think. I want to go, I, like when they've got a bench just on the side of the piece, I'm like, why would anyone want to sit there and just look at this piece of art. I don't get it, but it was a revelation to me because I realized perhaps when I'm going to these locations, I'm going with the wrong viewpoint. I go to just look, have a casual glance and move on. But yet I read that art actually, a lot of times artists put a lot of effort into things because they want to move people and they want people to see what they've done. And that got me to thinking, it, it got me to thinking about the fact that there's a difference between looking and seeing. Have you ever considered that before? So I decided to have a little gander and see what the difference is between looking and seeing. So, and this is what I discovered. So what is looking? Looking is turning our eyes toward an object and acknowledging its presence. You know, we look all the time. You know, sometimes we're trying to dodge um, objects when we're driving, really important that you look so that you don't hit into and um, bang into anything. But when we look, we're observing it, you know, right? We spotted it, we know where its location and we move on. But there's a difference between that and seeing. So what is seeing? Well, so to see, we not only have to look at the object, but we actually have to pay attention to it. It requires us to look beyond the obvious and beyond the and superficial. To see actually requires time, patience, open-mindedness, and even effort. And that's why I've never really got it when it comes to museums, because I don't do any of that. Mine's just like, right, I move on. But in, if we look at it and think around it, in most of our days, we actually spend a lot more time looking than we do seeing. We live in an age where we're probably looked at more than ever before with social media and the internet and YouTube and TikTok and blogs and all of the things. Our pictures can be before people more than ever before. What we ate for dinner, where we go on holiday, what we've done last week, what we're planning on doing on the future is before people all the time. And there's lots of looking that's happening. Yet, most of, most of these things are just looking. It's just superficial, flick through the profit, flick through the feed, quick, 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 quick. We're looking, but it's nothing more than a casual glance, and it doesn't go more beyond skin deep. But when it comes to our lives, do you know what? We don't want to be just looked at, do we? We want to be seen. And that's what I really felt that the Holy Spirit impressed on my heart this week and last week. He really wants us as a church family to understand that God sees us. 
He sees you. He sees me. And it's not just a glance, a quick glance and in a, in a direction and a move on. He doesn't just look at us or even look through us. Have you ever felt like you're speaking to somebody, but they're there, but they're like almost looking through you onto something else that's going on? God doesn't do that with us. He doesn't just look at us. He doesn't just look through us. He actually sees us. God looks beyond the externals, the way, the way we dress, the way we act, the way we do our hair, the smile that we put on for everybody. He actually goes beyond all of that surface stuff and he looks directly into the heart of us. He sees right down into the innermost person of who we are. Incredible, really, hey? God, creator of heavens and earth, actually doesn't see us as a number in a crowd. But when he looks at us, he looks, he sees us for who we are, who we are in our innermost being. I love reading the Psalm 139 that David um, wrote. And I'm going to read it to you today because every time I read it, I'm so encouraged. Listen to God's thoughts and the way that he looks and sees us today. Verse 1, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. And if I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate innermost parts of my body. You knit together me in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderful, com wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the, the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They cannot be outnumbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, 
you are still with me. When I read that, I don't know what it feels like for you, but when I read that, I feel like I can go, I feel like I can breathe out, drop my shoulders, thinking that this is how much God knows about me. This is how much God knows about you. He's got us covered. He sees you and I. And it's so simple, yet it's so mind-blowing to think that he sees me every single aspect of my life, despite the fact that there are billions of people on this planet, despite the fact that sometimes I feel so insignificant in the scheme of things. God doesn't see me and you as insignificant. He knows every detail of our lives and he wants us to know that he knows every detail of our lives. People will fail us. People's attention towards us won't be what we need it to be, but God will never fail us. God sees right into the heart of you and I today, and he wants to encourage us. He wants us to encourage us as we move into the next season that you and I are not alone that you are not somebody that's just skirted over, but that he knows you so well. And he hears everything that you say before him and he will move heaven and earth for you. A number of years ago, I mentioned last week about the work of Jesus Cares. And over um, many years, we've gone and delivered food hampers to um, Landovery and to a community center there. And we received a letter one year from a family who'd really been impacted by what they received. And I want you to hear this because it blows my mind. So this family, a year prior, had suffered loss of family members through a house fire. This lady had lost her, her brother and his son to a house fire. And you track on a year later and it's coming up to Christmas and the grief is still really real. The loss is still really there. And one day her boy, her son went to the youth center and she was at home with her husband. And she said to her husband, I just don't know if anyone even cares about us. We've gone through so much and yet people's lives seem to have gone on. Yet I'm still left in this place where I can't seem to go forward. Does anybody even care? I don't think that that cry is just an isolated cry. I think in this place today, maybe for those of you watching or even in our communities, there's cries like that going out. Does anybody even really care? And she said that to her husband. That night, his son came back from the youth group carrying a Jesus Cares hamper. 
And here's the thing about the Jesus Cares hampers. At the beginning, at the outset, when we were setting up Jesus Cares, we really felt it was important to put a sticker on every single item that would be found in a box or in a hamper because we wanted people to know the source of where this support and help was coming from, that it was coming from Jesus because he cares. So every single sticker that goes on every item has a big heart on it and through the heart says Jesus cares. So this lady that day cries out, does anybody really even care? Her son comes home a little while later from the youth group with a parcel and she opened up the parcel and all she saw was Jesus cares, Jesus cares, Jesus cares, Jesus cares, Jesus cares, Jesus cares. cares." It impacted her so much that she wrote to the church to share that story with us. How many people are crying and God is answering prayer because he cares so much. When he writes about Psalm, and when David writes in Psalm 139, God doesn't, doesn't care about those who have found faith in him. He cares about every single one of humanity and he will move heaven and earth whilst there is breath in our lungs to display his goodness, to display his kindness, to let people know that there's a God in heaven that's not angry with them, but that he cares for them and that he loves them so deeply. There's a desire within us all to be seen. Why is that? Why is there a desire for us to be seen? I tell you why. It's because God has created us. We have not been fashioned by the hands of man. We are not just objects. We have been crafted and created by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he said that he's made us in his likeness, that we are his workmanship in Christ Jesus. He said that he's breathed his life into us. Listen today, you are not an accident. Perhaps you've been told in your life repeatedly from family or from other people that you shouldn't be here. What's the point? You do nothing good. You're just a waste of space. Today, today the heart of God to you and I is that you're not an accident, that you are actually created in his likeness and you are so valuable and you are so precious and you have great worth and his love for you is overwhelming, it's immeasurable. God sees, God sees you and I. And he doesn't want this to just be some head knowledge that we remember. He wants us to take his words that he sees us and that he loves us. And he wants it to marinate within us to become a heart revelation. Not just some fact that you know, God sees me, God loves me. But that it's a heart revelation 
that God knows me, that he sees me. He knows every detail of my life. Because when we really, really know that he loves us so much, it changes our perspective. It changes the way that we do things. It changes the way that we value ourselves. It changes the way that we value others. When we understand that we're not just one person in um, you know, an ocean of people, but that God knows us intimately and that we have great value and great worth. And this morning, what I want to do is just share for a little while just about what I observed as I walked through the, the Gospels, reading about Jesus, journeying and seeing the way that he treated people that he met, seeing the way that he interacted with them. Because God's response to us individually is exactly that. He deals with us individually. It's not a one-size-fits-all God. And I want us to look at just this morning some things to encourage us in our daily lives around the way that God sees us. This is not exhaustive, okay? These are just a few things. There's probably a lot more, but I'm just going to share just a few things today that I saw and that I watched as God, through Jesus, responded to people that he met. And it says that repeatedly throughout the gospel, as he looked, that Jesus saw. It says, when Jesus saw. So what is this word saw meaning? Well, the word saw means to see, to perceive, to consider, to attend to, and to discern clearly. So when Jesus saw the people that he interacted with, he responded to them very personally. So how does Jesus respond to them? And subsequently, how does he respond to us? Well, the first thing that I noticed is that when Jesus sees us, he accepts us and he saves. I love the story of Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus had a bit of a notorious reputation, okay? He was a chief tax collector and he was corrupt through and through. And he heard that Jesus was coming and he wanted to see Jesus, but the problem was he was short. Loads of money, but he couldn't see very well because he was short. So he decided to climb a tree so that he could see Jesus. And listen to what it says in Luke 19 verse 5. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be your guest in your home today. I love that. Zacchaeus, who is notorious for doing bad things, is up a tree. Jesus could have easily walked past him, yet Jesus didn't. He saw him. And I love that when he saw him, he called him by name. And he said, 
I come down. I want to come to your house for tea. Talk about acceptance. Talk about acceptance of what God does. That there is like he's just going tick, tick, tick. You are not somebody that I'm just going to disregard. Despite the fact that you're corrupt through and through. Zacchaeus, I know you and I want to spend time with you. So it says Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, salvation has come to this house today for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost I love that story that story from the gospel is not just amazing in light of what he did for Zacchaeus but it is as well in light of what he does for you and I he accepts us, warts and all, despite the fact that we may have a really dodgy past and there's things that are going on that we're not pleased with. Jesus doesn't say, well, I'm not going to you. Let me find the holier than thou people that never do anything wrong. I'm going to go to them. But no, Jesus doesn't do that. He accepts us. And not only that, he calls us by names and he says, I want an audience with you. I want to get to know you. And the thing is, when you come into the presence of God, we can't help but be transformed. And that's what happens in this story of Salchius. There is salvation. There is transformation being found in the presence of God caused his life to change. And Jesus said, that's who I've come to reach out to. I've come to seek and save those who are lost. So when Jesus saw Zacchaeus, he accepted him and he saved him. And he does that for you and I today. The second thing that I saw when I was looking through the Gospels is that Jesus gives us a second chance. We all need second chances, hey? We're not perfect people, any of us. And I was, you know, I was drawn to the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees had caught her that day and they brought her to Jesus and they threw her down at her feet and they wanted her stoned. And in John 8, it says this, they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest. Probably a lot more things to write about somebody. Hey, the longer we go on and, the, you know, a lot more things to, that we've done that are not great. Until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and he said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Jesus gives us second chances, hey. 
He's the God of the second chance. He's the God of forgiveness. And not only does he forgive us, but I love that in forgiving us, he also points us in the right direction. He doesn't say stay where you are, but he says transformation again is going to happen. Go and sin no more. Today, if you've discredited yourself, because whilst being a Christian, you've actually failed. And let's be honest, in a room this side, all of us who are followers of Jesus can say, despite the fact that we are following Jesus, we have all failed. We still fail. We try not to, but we do. But today, the Lord wants to encourage us that he's the God of the second chance. He sees us and he says, you don't have to beat yourself up for the rest of your life, but you can move forward with him. He gives us hope to pursue a next day and he encourages us that we don't have to allow our sins to define our future if placed in the hands of God. The third thing that I noticed is that Jesus calls us to himself. Matthew 9 says this, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Again, people weren't overly impressed with Matthew because he was a tax collector. But this is what Jesus said, follow me and be my disciple. So Matthew got up and followed him. That invitation extends to you and I today. He invites us to follow him. And I'll be honest, if I was going to invite people to follow me, I don't want, I'd want the creme de la creme. I'd want people that are going to represent me well, that I know that I'm not going to have to bring into line all the time because they're messing up. But Jesus isn't, he doesn't see things the way that we do. He's not, he doesn't discredit us because of our background or our history. It doesn't put him off. Jesus draws and he calls on us to follow him. And he does the same like he did for each one of the disciples. What a mixed bunch the disciples were. There were fishermen in there. There were tax collectors. Matthew, there was a tax collector. There was an insurrectionist there. There were traitors. There was doubting Thomas that didn't believe anything that happened. There's such a mixed bag of people that Jesus drew to himself. He knew all about them when he called them. He was under no illusions that he was getting perfect people. But he, he invited them to follow him. And he invites us to follow him too today, regardless of the fact that we aren't perfect, regardless of the fact that, you know, our, our lives look different. I think about what Dave preached about with the woman at the well. She was at the well at the time of the day she was because she was, she was discredited in her community because of her lifestyle. Yet Jesus, he talked with her. He told him that he is the one that she's been thirsting for. And he completely transformed her life. And she became like the first female um, evangelist going and telling everybody what Jesus had done. She became a follower of him because of one interaction. And the disciples couldn't believe that Jesus was even talking to a woman when they came back from trying to find food for them to eat. 
But that's what Jesus does. He sees us all individually, regardless of our background, regardless of our social standing, regardless of anything that sometimes can be weighed up against us. It's not like a job interview where they take in the profile of the person and they look at everything. He doesn't do that. He accepts us and he says, I want you to follow me as you are and see change happen as a result of following him. That gives each one of us, I don't know about you, but that answers a very deep fundamental cry from our heart, and that is to find belonging. Jesus wants us to find belonging in him. He wants us to know that we belong to him, and the invitation is for us to be able to follow him that we don't have to be on the outside of the family looking in at everybody else being together. But he says, no, I call you my family as well. I want you to be known as my child. And I think that is so, so beautiful. We all need that. We all need to know that we can find belonging in him. We don't need to search outside of Jesus to find that. The next thing I noticed is that he teaches us. Mark 6 says this, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. He teaches us, hey? He sees us and he knows that we are like sheep. Do you know sheep will just graze anywhere? Munch, 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 munch. Munch, 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 munch. And they just wander off aimlessly as well. We lived in our old house in Cumbran. Daniel was friends with a farmer and it was really interesting getting to hear the antics that sheep got up to and where they got. And also it was really interesting to hear that um, they often had to give like injections to the sheep because they'd have bad bellies because they were just munching on things they shouldn't be munching on, nettles, briars, all stuff. Munch, 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 munch. And he knows that we're sheep. And sheep, we just wander aimlessly sometimes, and we graze in pastures that we should never graze in. And Jesus, when he saw the multitude, he saw they were like sheep, just wandering aimlessly, and he said, I'm going to teach them. I'm going to teach them to help them. And he does that with us, hey? His word to us is the biggest love letter that we can ever find. And he takes time to teach us. What is he teaching us? He's teaching us about the kingdom of God. He's teaching us about his way for our lives to look. He lets us know the things we should avoid. He lets us know the things that we should run to. He gives us direction. He really unpacks everything because he knows that we actually need a lot of help. Otherwise, we are just bopping around and we follow each other all in the wrong places and we graze in areas that we don't and we end up with a bad belly and he sees that and so he takes time to teach us. I love that. Teaching takes time. That means an investment of energy. And that's what God does for each one of us. He's prepared to put in the hours with you and I to show us the way, to show us how to live. He's prepared to do it. He did it throughout the Gospels, taking time to teach them. 
He knows what we have need of. All we have to do is have ears open to hear what he has to say. Let's not go around with AirPods in spiritually when it comes to the noise cancelers trying to ignore the voice of God as he speaks and he, he gives clarity and he gives direction to our lives. He teaches us. The next thing I notice that he provides, our God is a provider. Look at the wedding in Cana when he turned water into wine. Think about the miracle that he did with the feeding of the 5,000. He is a provider for his people. And I love that in the Gospels in Matthew 6, as he was teaching the multitude, he understood the pulse of where the people were at. He understands what makes us tick. So he said this, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These thoughts, things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows. That word knows is the same word in the Greek as the word see, which means to perceive, to discern. He knows what we have need of. And he says, so therefore seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. He's our provider. After speaking last week, somebody came to share a lovely testimony with me that they had heard in spring harvest about the impacts of the, the, the boxes that are going to Operation Christmas Child. And they said there was an, a, a testimony of this little boy when he received his box was jumping up and down hysterically and ecstatically. And when they said, what is it? What is what have you got? He said, I've got oven gloves. Oven glyphs. Yay! Every six-year-old wants an oven glove. But for that little boy, he did want an oven glove. Listen to this. That little boy used to help his mum with cooking. She was like the town kind of baker thing. And he would help his mum take the items in and out of the oven. And as he did, he often burnt his arms. Yet God... I mean, I've never put a pair of oven gloves in a shoebox before. I'm just saying. But that is how much God loves and can provide that he made sure. I imagine there was maybe only one set of oven gloves that whole year. But he got the parcel with the set of oven gloves to the little kid that had burn marks up his arms as he helped his mum take the food in and out of the oven. Our God is a provider and he will provide for you and I if we will allow him, if we will seek him, if we we trust in him. He says, let me be your provider because he sees. That's the thing he sees. He saw that little boy with those burn marks and he made sure to make a way to meet the needs of that little boy. And if he will do it for him, he will do it for us because he has no favorites. He loves us all the same. How overwhelming is that? To think that he will do that. That is the level of care. I'm a parent. And I've got to say, when I read those, I do a lot. And I try my best for my kids. 
But like with billions of kids on the planet, you'd think that, they'd, you know, it gets overwhelming to think that there's that level of care from God for each person on our planet. And that can give us such confidence that he sees us. Just ask. Ask him for, for what you have need of and allow him to open up the floodgates of heaven and provide as only he can provide. Uh, he heals. We listened to the testimony today from Naveen sharing about the healing power of God. God is a healing God. It says that he went about healing all those that were sick and oppressed by the devil. Throughout Jesus' ministry, you see he healed people. He healed the blind man. He healed the demoniac. He healed. He healed the woman with the issue of blood. He heals. Our God sees the infirmities. He sees what goes on. And he says that he's our healer. And finally... I want to say that he takes notice. And as I share this, I'd like to ask Diane to come up um, and share a testimony for you. Do you know things um, that we do often may not be noticed by man? We may do things that are outside the gaze of people, but God notices those things. He notices things that nobody else notices. Nothing escapes his attention. I think about the, the woman, the widow with her might. And in Luke 21, it says this. And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts in the treasury. And he saw a certain poor widow putting in two mites. And he said, truly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all for all these out of the abundance of putting offerings for God, but she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. God saw that day. Jesus saw. He saw people giving big gifts, yet he saw the, the widow who wasn't flashing her offering around, but he saw he takes notice. And today I want to encourage you that he takes notices of us. He, what we do and what we say may never capture the attention of others, but it is catalogued by God. Diane, do you want to share in relation to this about God taking notice, a story that I've heard, and it's so encouraging. John and I were ministering in Ireland, and we'd been there about a month, and I was really fed up. It was really a hard trip. And um, we left Lisa at home with grandparents, good grandparents, and I was missing her. And uh, we were staying in a lovely home with Kenneth and Dorothy. And one morning, I went uh, to fill the kettle at the sink. Um, and looking out of the window, they had lovely fields. They had a huge garden. And when I got to the window, I, um, I said, Lord, do you really love me? I said, if you love me, let there be a rabbit on the lawn in the morning. 
Well, I went through the day, I was still the same. And you know what? I really did forget about it. The next morning, went to the window with the kettle, filled the kettle. Wow! Looked out of the window, there were five rabbits there. <laughs> the mother and the, fa the father, the father and the mother, and three little ones. And the Holy Spirit said to me, if you don't believe that God loves you now, you never will. Mm. I said, I, Lord, I know you love me. Mm. And the trip went easier. Amen. And it's gone easier ever since. Amen. Whether there's ups and downs, ins and outs, I know. Mm. And you know. God loves you. Amen. And he loves me. Amen. Thank you, Diane. That's brilliant. I wanted to share and Diane to share that testimony because I think it really captures God's heart for us in that he notices us. He notices when we're just struggling. And like Diane said, she was on a ministry trip away from her family, away from Lisa, and she found that difficult. And in her cry of her heart, the Lord answered her cry. Because he notices, he notices the small things. He notices us being faithful. Diane's faithfulness to do what the Lord had called her to do had actually taken away from family for a time, but she stayed faithful to things. And you know, today you may have been faithful in things that have escaped the attention of other people. And you think, why, why do I remain faithful in this? Why do I even do this? Nobody ever notices. They don't see, you know, my, um, anything. They don't see the time I spend in the prayer closet. They don't see the kind words I, that I give to people that are being hostile. They don't see, they don't see the faithfulness of just being integrous when other people around are doing what they want. But you see, God notices. God sees. And he, he catalogues it, and he knows every detail of our lives. And this morning, I just really felt, like I said, that the Holy Spirit just wanted to remind us that he does see. He sees everything. And I don't know, you know, I can only imagine that, you know, for the Lord to put that on my heart, it wasn't something that I had planned to say. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. But the Lord, see, he, he's so interested. He's so interested in your life and my life that he will cause our hearts to, um, to feel and to minister to you, to enable you to know just the level and the depth of his love for you. So this morning, I'm just going to ask us to close our eyes. And whilst we're, our eyes are closed, just receive from him right now what you have need of. Just receive from him, from his great storehouse of love, his acceptance, his provision, his healing, his forgiveness of us, his salvation, his provision. Receive what it is that you have need of today. 
because he's such a personal God and he wants to minister to us all individually. Lord, thank you today for encouraging our hearts, for reminding us that whilst there may be many that look and only see the superficial, that Lord, you don't just look, but you see us. You see right into the heart of us, beyond the superficial. You know everything about our lives. And Lord, today, thank you that you are everything that we have need of. Our assurance is found in you today. Lord, we ask that you would enable this simple message, Lord, to become a heart revelation for us to know that we know that we know that we're seen by you and that we can have confidence because of that in our daily lives, in our prayers, in the way that we reach out to others, in the way that we love ourselves, in the way that we do our whole life, that Lord, that that heart revelation that God knows, that you see, Lord, will permeate every action, every word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be here today, and you... You know there's something that's been missing from your life. You feel like there's a bit of a hole and you've tried to fill it with lots of things. Partying, great food, great holidays, buying things, big circle of friends. Yet in trying all these things, nothing seems to fill the gap. You don't land in a place of peace. You still feel empty. This morning, I'd love to introduce you to Jesus. And the thing about Jesus, like I've shared about, is that he invites us to come to him. And the reason why we feel this emptiness is because God is our creator. And he wants to have a relationship with him. And it's only that relationship with him that can fill the gap. He wants us to know how loved we are. He wants us to know that we can find peace in him. He wants us to know that he's got plans for us, good plans, plans to give us a future and a hope. And today you may be in this place and you're like, do you know what? I need that hole filled and I'm, I want to ask Jesus to come and live in my life right now. Then why don't you say this prayer after me? Say, Jesus, I need you. Thank you for seeing me amongst all the people in the world. Thank you that you notice me. Today, I ask you to come and live in my life. I ask you to forgive me of all the things that I've done wrong, all of my sins. Today, I want to have a relationship with you and a brand new start. In Jesus' name.